Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you into a special edition of Outside Boxing Live. We're here in the CompuBox headquarters, the garden, the great garden of, of wiffle ball and all the great stuff there. Eddie Hearn closes down his backyard. We open up ours. That's how we work. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you're watching on our YouTube page over at CompuBox TV, you can see that we are outside today. We are here at the CompuBox headquarters on the yard. If you see behind me, that is a, a wiffle ball field. That is the Green Monster where I grew up. A lot of good times back here. And uh, just something different. You know, we're trying to mix it up uh, as we get closer and closer to the fall. We're trying to soak up some last few days of summer. If you're watching us over on the Fubo Sports Network, appreciate that very much. Check us out every single Thursday at 7 p.m. Don't forget to rate and review over on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and watch the show over on YouTube. This is the week to watch it on YouTube. Joining me on the program this week, he is Karan Bhatti. He's our recurring guest. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the biggest topics in boxing. We're going to talk a lot about what we saw this past weekend. Usually the show is looking forward, looking ahead to what's coming up. But this past weekend, we had a lot of good boxing. We had Sergio Martinez's uh, comeback fight. We didn't really get into too much of that, but that happened. That led things off on Friday. Uh, over on Saturday afternoon, we saw what was, I consider, one of the greatest punches in the, the last couple of years when Dillian White got knocked out cold by Alexander Povetkin. That switches up the heavyweight division. Uh, that makes it a little bit easier for, for some of the biggest fights to happen in there. We also saw Joe Smith, the pride of Long Island, the pride of Joe Smith tree service. He went in there and took out a leader, Alvarez. Light heavyweight division is starting to move, and Joe Smith can potentially be a uh, a champion from the WBO, setting up a unification foul about uh, with Arthur Betterbeard. We're going to get into that and women's boxing and the ratings, and we're going to look ahead to uh, some good fights coming up this weekend over on ESPN, Victor uh, Postal, and Jose Ramirez. Coming up, we got Karun Bhatti. Here he is, Mr. Karun Bhatti. Here he is, Mr. Karun Bhatti. We're ready to talk some boxing. I know you you were up early. You were watching that Jeff Horn versus Tim Zhu fight over in Australia. Down goes Jeff Horn. Maybe for good. Your quick thoughts before we get into the rest of this up on what you watched in Australia. Yeah, Jeff Horn said he would ragdoll Tim Zhu. That didn't quite happen. Dan, I'm going to probably ragdoll you, though, in this debate. Um, hopefully <laughs> uh, my prediction doesn't go the same way Jeff Horn did. And you are actually going to have the home field advantage. I see you on the wiffle ball field, the field of dreams. I've hit a couple dingers over that uh, green monster out there. Uh, looks like a nice day out there. You might hear some horns. You might hear some Jeff horns. You might hear some car alarms. You might see a squirrel jump on my shoulder. But we're going to keep on. We're going to keep pressing on. Yeah, you're right. I was watching that Australia fight, and uh, it's funny because it was good to hear a roar of the crowd, even though it was 50%. None of them were wearing masks. None of, none of them were social distancing. They might as well have just you know, had a full crowd, but I digress. But we're going to see more from Tim Zhu. I'd like to see him maybe fight uh, a top 10 guy now in the 154-pound division. So there's another name now in that division. So that, that's good. Let's move on now to a fight we saw over the weekend, the biggest fight this past weekend. This is going to be more of a, what we saw than looking ahead on, on this episode. Dillian White goes down to Alexander Perfekin, uh, a real oh-crap moment in the heavyweight division. 
I've watched this this knockout maybe like 10, 15 times. I can't stop watching it just from uh, the sheer the maneuver from Pavekin. The fact that he was down twice in the fourth round, didn't panic because he's a 40-year-old guy that's been in there tough. That move, that step back, that laser left uppercut that eradicated White, all the, the stakes that were in place with Dillian White having, you know, fighting for his mandatory or, or putting his mandatory up uh, uh, at stake there. Just everything about that was a, was a, just a great moment. Heavyweight division, just showing how great this heavyweight division is right now. It's why we love boxing, theater of the unexpected, heavyweight boxing specifically. And as you mentioned, Pavetkin, he uh, took White away from his senses. It seemed like he was just completely gone with that left-hand shot. It was amazing. It really does make you miss crowds, right? Because what would the reaction have been when 40-year-old Alexander Pavetkin got up from the canvas twice and knocked this top contender, top guy out, Dillian White, who's 32 years old, only loss at that point was to Anthony Joshua. I mean, it was definitely shocking it was a highlight real knockout it's in the conversation for knockout of the year and I think that's why Dan when we spoke earlier we had this fight circled on our calendar to say hey this is going to be a really interesting matchup and it, and it certainly was no you can safely say that's one of the best knockouts in heavyweight history I mean there's a lot of you know hyperbole you throw out because you're living in the moment and you want to see something great you want to say I saw that in my era you, you know a lot of us haven't seen you know George Foreman fight or going back to Muhammad Ali that era that was a huge knockout, and you can potentially say one of the best knockouts in heavyweight history, considering the punch, considering the stakes, considering how old Vivekin was. But now top three remains intact. I think most people would have Tyson Fury, number one, Anthony Joshua, number two. That's when it gets a little hairy after that. Deontay Wilder, you want to put him number three, just considering he had that long run. It's the second half of that list that gets a little dicey. Guys that coming off of losses like Andy Ruiz, the guys like Dillian White. And where do you put Alo Valin? Where do you put Alexander Usyk, who hasn't fought in you know several several days, like several weeks and months? I'm losing track of time here. But what does the second half of this this division look like? And what can we see for a whole? Let's take a look at the bigger scope here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, it was such a great knockout. There's always big knockouts in boxing. Like, Dan, you you know, we go to these fights. We sometimes are early in the arena. There's only a few people in there. And you'll see some crazy highlight reel knockout in like a four-round type of fight with a guy moving up. This wasn't that, right? The implications are what made this knockout even more special. Now, to your question about the heavyweight division, it's pretty safe to say we're back at the three-headed monster. Of course, everyone knows this, Joshua, Fury, and Wilder. And obviously, we all want to see the uh, three-belt champion Joshua face the WBC and lineal champ Fury and get that unification. It seems like plans are in place to make that happen. And then, of course, Wilder versus any of those guys would be great. But, but to your point, who is number – who's the next guy? We have we know Ruiz is going to fight Chris Ariola. That will be another Rock'em Sock'em Robots fight. Maybe he can work his way back into the conversation with some dedication. I actually think Dillian White is still in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. The chip is off his shoulder in terms of that mandatory – that he was a mandatory for, what, 600 days or something. Mm -hmm. Now it's just, okay, whatever opportunity he can get, and hopefully he can get one of these top guys again. Right, and the latest is that Dillian White is going to exercise the rematch clause. They're going to fight again. Eddie Hearn is angling to get uh, this back in November to get Dillian White back up there. He wins. Maybe that keeps his mandatory status. But I'll tell you what, one thing is clear from this is we have a clear path for a Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight because that now is the only hurdle that was there. Of course, Joshua has to win and Fury has to win besides that hurdle. <laughs> the next hurdle was cleared out, and that was when Dillian White touch the canvas on the other side of things we're going to talk about joe smith we're going to talk about the light heavyweight division we're going to talk about some ratings some women's boxing more of that coming up next year on inside boxing live
Curran, I'm coming to you from Long Island, but of one of other Long Island sons, greatest sons. That's Joe Smith Jr. picked up a big win this past weekend with a knockout over Elider Alvarez. Taking a look at the light heavyweight division, a division that really doesn't get a lot of ink lately, but Joe Smith now has entered his name back into the picture. Coming off of a really bad loss to Dimitri Buval last year where he was basically outboxed. He had that decent moment where he clipped Buval, and maybe if that was early in the round, he might be a winner there too. But now you take a look at, at Joe Smith Jr. He's got wins over Funfar. He's got wins over Hopkins where he knocked him flush out of the ring. He's got wins over Elider Alvarez. And now we start to bang the drum for a unification bout with Arthur Betterbeev. Taking a look past at this weekend with Joe Smith, some of your takeaways from that big knockout and the light heavyweight division as a whole. Yeah, Joe Smith is definitely back in the conversation for top light heavyweights. More importantly, I think you need to invite him to this wiffle ball field. He's from your hometown. <laughs> he should be out there with you right now. Well, um, we might be doing something interesting with Joe Smith. Keep keep it locked to CombiBox TV YouTube. You might do something involving a tree. That's all I can say. All right. Well, there you go. We know Joe Smith is a hard worker in the ring and outside of the ring in terms of all the work he's done uh, in, in that way as well. He's definitely in the conversation. A fight with Beater Bia makes a lot of sense. That would be great. I'm going to give you my way out there uh, kind of pick for Joe Smith Jr. Here's a fight that makes sense. Sergey Kovalev. Sergey Kovalev got knocked out by Canelo last November. What's his comeback fight? I say put him in against Joe Smith Jr. It's a good measuring stick. It's a good fight for both guys. Helps both of their profiles raise. What do you think about that, Dan? I would like to see that, but I I think that Joe Smith's going to take the route of that fight was a was a, a a title eliminator for WBO. He has to now fight the the winner of the top two seeds and the the top two rankings in the WBO. That's how he gets a title. I think that's the route he's going to take. He fought this fought, uh, fight against um, Alvarez for a reason is to get into that number two seed or number two ranking. He's going to fight the winner of the top two guys at WBO for the WBO title, then he's going to go to better BF for a unification. Because if you take a look at the light heavyweight division, it's pretty top-heavy, but it's also very fractured. You know, better BF has two belts. Uh, you got um, John Pascal, who has a belt. All those guys all fight on different networks. So it's really hard to find out who's the best at light heavyweight, but there is a path for a unification that involves Joe Smith and Arthur better BF. And taking a look at Betterbeev, yes, he will be the favorite in that fight. I think he is an outstanding fighter, and he's one of the most scariest guys on the planet. But he has been down a few times. He went down against Callum uh, Johnson. He, dude has been down a few times in, in his career. Joe Smith's heavy puncher. Looks like he's improving his boxing skills. So I, I, I'm sign me up for a unification. Bang that drum. Get that going. Put that on ESPN. That's a good fight for maybe next year. Yeah, anytime there's a unification in our sport, we are all for it. Joe Smith had the loss to Bivol, like we said. No, no shame in that. But it does seem like when Joe Smith is on and he can find those power shots, he can have these spectacular highlight knockouts, knocking people out of the ring with Hopkins, Alvarez almost out of the ring, or at least through the ropes in this case. So he's cementing his case for the title shot and a fight with Biderbiev. I mean, that would be absolutely explosive. We saw what Biderbiev did to Gavozdik, who was a very, very tough fighter, sent him off into retirement, basically. So I would love to see that fight. Let's bring it on. Another name to keep an eye on, too. And like, if, if this happens, is David Benavidez potentially moving up to light heavyweight. That flips the whole division upside on, on its head. Now, let's get into something. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it was a conversation that's been going on. The ratings in boxing have not been strong, and I don't think there's a reason for them to be strong. If you take a look at some of the fights that have been on TV as of late, uh, it was a conversation that was going on on social media, and it's in light of Fox's numbers, the Porter fight. Did over 1 million homes, which, you know, I actually think that's pretty impressive considering they had zero lead-in, 
considering it's late August when everyone's out, you know, outside at the beach or, or vacationing or doing whatever they're going to do. And they had a card full of either mismatches or not big names, Karen. The, the boxing ratings, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, take a look at the ratings in the fall. Then we can get a better assessment of where everything is. Sports ratings are kind of all over the place right now in general. MLB is mixed. NBA is down. PGA Tour is up. It could be for a lot of reasons. There's obviously a pandemic, so you would say, oh, people are at home. But there's so many options nowadays to watch on TV. you got Netflix. you got all the million streaming services. you got all these different sports. So the biggest thing for boxing, I think what they can continue to do is just focus on getting us good matchups. And I actually give credit to The Zone when Canelo versus Avni Yildirim was announced. They said that's not a fight that we want and i think things decisions like that to say let's try to get the better fights and we know of course that we have teofimo lopez versus lomachenko i know you spoke to teofimo that's going to be a massive fight that's on espn that's obviously going to do amazing ratings so as long as we can get these good matchups we'll get the ratings back up right that's the indicator i'm very curious to see what teofimo and lomachenko does on regular espn they might have college football as a lead-in they might not that fight will let you know if you can do big fights on regular TV. Well, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. And one last thing is the, the best fights this past weekend happened on Zone and ESPN+. Plus. There's no way for them to show their ratings. So we don't know exactly where we are right now. We're basing it off of a Fox fight with, like I said, a bunch of mismatches and in, in, in no names or lesser named opponents. On the other side of things, we're going to talk about women's boxing. The Ring Magazine has their inaugural pound-for-pound pound list, and some of the best women's fights have happened during this pandemic. We'll touch on that and more coming up next Inside Boxing Live. Current, some of the best fights over this pandemic have happened in the women's division of boxing, a division that is often criticized. But if you take a look, some really good fights have been happening over these last couple months. Even so, with the Ring Ring Magazine putting out their inaugural women's pound for pound list, hats off to Dougie Fisher and everyone over at the Ring Magazine for finally, uh, you know, seeing that the women have been doing their thing here. Their, their list goes as follows. They have Clarissa Shields, number one. I think there's no arguments there. Katie Taylor, two. Cecilia Brickhouse at three. Jessica McCaskill at four. And Amanda Serrano at five. Some of the best fights of the last couple of weeks, just this past weekend, we saw Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursun fought a fight, a, a rematch. Many were saying that this could be a potential fight of the year, women's or, or a men's all combined. So, we're seeing a resurgence with women's boxing, and I think it's well warranted. As you know, I've been uh, touting women's boxing for a long time. I had spoken to both Brighthouse and McCaskill before their fight, and I had circled that on my calendar as my most interesting fight coming up. It certainly lived up to that hype. I think it's great that there's pound-for-pound pound rankings. Interesting that they actually gave Brighthouse the top spot above McCaskill, even though McCaskill beat her. You could obviously say with Brighthouse's uh, body of work, she's earned that. She seemed to semi even say she might even retire, so we may lose her from that from those rankings. But overall, this is a great thing. There's always great matchups in women's boxing. Part of it could be that maybe some of these divisions aren't as deep. So people, uh, so fighters, women's fighters are more willing to jump to other weight classes for the big matchups. Um, so we hope that this continues. The one thing I'd like to see change is that we had a lot of women's fights as main events on ESPN with Meyer on uh, on the zone, of course, but they were not originally slated to be main events. They got bumped up due to main events getting canceled. Let's do it UFC style and get some of these women's fights as the actual headliners and the actual main events of these big cards. Right, when we talk about changes, we also might as well say that how about getting three rounds? How about getting three minute rounds for women's division? You know, two minutes, you know, it, it works two ways. You fight two minutes, maybe, you know, they might go out there and just slug from the start. Maybe that's why we're seeing more exciting fights. But if you take a look at the data and the science, I don't think there's any reason why their fights can't be three minutes. I don't see any reason why maybe they get smaller gloves so there's more knockouts. That's one thing, one criticism I hear of women's boxing is 
there's not enough knockouts. There's not enough. Every fight goes the distance. Those can be tend to be boring fights uh, when it goes to the judges. It, you know, you can't really distinguish who won the fight. Just take a look at McCaskill and, and, and Brickhouse. A lot of people had uh, uh, Cecilia winning. It was such a close fight because it's hard to separate themselves when they're using these giant pillows on their hands. But, you know, we're looking at the, the women's division as a whole, and we're talking about this resurgence. This is all happening without Shields hasn't fought uh, since the, the, the shutdown. I expect she hasn't fought. She fought before early in 2020. I expect her to get back into the ring before 2020 is over. And Amanda Serrano hasn't fought as well. I mean, she was supposed to fight Katie Taylor. Maybe that can come out. They had a messy, messy dispute. Uh, the promoters got involved. Lawyers got involved, Katie Taylor and them. But what I'm hearing is maybe Katie Taylor and Jessica McCaskill can fight can come to a catch rate or i think uh, that would have to involve taylor moving up but there's a lot of mixing and matching going on in the women's division but one thing that you touched on and i agree with is there's not a lot of depth and uh, the, the ring magazine also has divisional rankings too it's hard to find to a top five in each division because there's a lot of vacant titles that just there's a few divisions that have maybe just four or five you know fighters that can register we need a little more depth but i think that this generation could spawn another generation of women's fighters it starts now keep it going keep it going I and mean, maybe the next generation by the time you know it they'll be you know a top 10 in every division yeah absolutely and we should point out that mccaskill fought katie taylor once so they they were hoping to do a rematch uh mccaskill right. lost that fight so i think that the fact that they were able to make it happen they can make it happen again there's also the mccaskill breakhouse uh, rematch for that fight, which would be super interesting. Amanda Serrano in the conversation, like you said. And the biggest thing of all is that to all these women's fights we're talking about, we're not even mentioning the quote who also will hopefully make her comeback. She fought earlier in Jan January pre-pandemic, so it'll be great to see her back in the ring. The other moment we should talk about, Dan, I'm sure you saw this on social media. It's customary that when a uh, challenger wins the title, they sometimes they get the belt in the ring and they give it back. We saw McCaskill get the belt and give it back to Brighthouse in the locker room. It was a heartwarming moment. There was a lot of mutual respect. Brighthouse in tears saying to McCaskill, I'm so excited to see what you do. This is These are one of the reasons that we love this sport so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a, one of the better moments that we saw in boxing. And hopefully there's more of that. I think the guys, their egos, the, the machismo, if yep. you sort of say, gets in the way. They can't do that. They can't, they, they can't, they don't have that, that tender moment afterwards. This is a sport. Yes, it's a brutal sport, but there should be a little more sportsmanship. Coming. We also have to mention too, a Sinisa Estrada, seven second knockout. Yes, it wasn't the, it didn't really bring the right eyeballs to that moment it was a gross mismatch and it was uh it was kind of disgusting i felt sick after i watched it but it was a highlight it was on sports center it was everywhere women's it's just gonna get their profiles up they can take any publicity they can get and we also haven't mentioned michaela mayer she is in isn't in the top the pound for pound list she isn't in the divisional rankings but she's one of the more popular fighters and she signed with top rank i think there's gonna be a big push uh for her as well before we say goodbye carl we have to look ahead there's some big fights this this weekend uh before we get into september where there's also the pay-per-views and then october and november it's getting bigger and bigger but september looks good to the end of the month jose ramirez and victor prostal this weekend on espn plus it's the last stand type of fight for victor prostal uh you know he had losses to crawford you know he he had losses to to taylor you know, he's pretty much lost every big fight he's in. His biggest win is Lucas Matisse, and that over time hasn't looked as impressive. I don't know why so many people are sleeping on Jose Ramirez. I think he's really coming into his own. Uh, he's coming into his prime. I think people just underestimate him because he's not a flashy guy. But this is a good fight. I think Ramirez sh should win it, and then that's a unification fight with Josh Taylor that can come out of that one as well. 
Yeah, I mean, Victor Postal, 36 years old, but no matter what you want to say, he's still a tough out. And if you want to see anything about a tough guy, look at his fight versus Lucas Matisse, winning that uh, in, in dramatic fashion, knocking him out. Um, even after I think he was losing that fight early on, he put up a tough performance again against Crawford. He was obviously outmatched, but that will certainly be uh, an exciting fight. We also have Eris Landi Lara, aka the American Dream. I just looked up, that's his nickname on BoxRec, if you didn't know. Um, he's he's fighting this weekend. We have Daniel Dubois. We have, we have a bunch of people. It's going to be a good fight weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you are too, Dan. Yeah, Eris Landi Lara uh, going up against another uh, relative unknown. We saw it this past weekend with Sean Porter fighting Sebastian Formella. Uh, he went back to Germany, like I said, with the participation trophy and a few bruises on his face. Let's see what Lara's opponent has in store. But in terms of can't-miss action this upcoming weekend, in terms of, of power punches landing, leather being thrown, Caleb Truax and Alfredo Angulo, two of the – how do I put this lightly? The Two of the, the guys that get hit the most, in, in not just their division, in all of boxing with power punches. They're one and two in terms of opponent connect percentage in the power punches. So these guys don't miss each other. Angulo coming off of his win, uh, his past win, where no one really picked him to win, and he, he was fighting in slow motion. I, I think this fight can really capture the imaginations of of uh, casual fans if they happen to turn on Fox and they see two guys just exchanging leather. That right there is my cat miss fight of the weekend. Yeah, Rock'em Sock'em Robots is always great. We love it. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I mentioned Daniel Dubois. He's fighting uh, Ricardo Snyders from the Netherlands. Only one loss. Never been stopped. Uh, he's 26 years old. So that'll be another one. And we know that the heavyweight division has been particularly exciting recently. Uh, so we got a good weekend of boxing, man. Let's get to it. I'm glad this sport's back. And let's get some of these fights in Australia where we can have a crowd. It'll be great to have some, uh, some fan interaction again. Right. If it's as long as it's on the other side of the world, if they don't want to social distance, they don't want to wear masks, and they want to go to fights, and I can hear a roar of a crowd. It's not going to affect me or my family. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for it. But yeah, this weekend's going to be good. One last thing though about Jose Ramirez, uh, I think that if he is potentially looking forward to a unification fight, overlooking Postal, potentially looking forward to moving up to 147 and fight Terence Crawford. That can maybe nip him in the butt a little bit, but I, I don't think so. I think that's, that clearly is the best fight this weekend, Ramirez and Postal, but there are some other interesting ones. And September, the beginning of September gets a little thin. Uh, then we move into the, the big uh, showtime to Charlo doubleheader, which we're going to get into that. On the other side of things, Karen, thanks a lot for joining us again on Inside Boxing Live. We'll get you back on the show. On the other side of things, we'll say goodbye. We'll put a wrap. We'll put a bow on this special show. Outdoors here, Long Island, New York, coming up. We'll say goodbye. And a special thanks to our guest, Karan Bhatia, for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. There was a few news and notes that we did not get to with Karan, and that involves two of the best fighters in boxing potentially getting into the ring in 2020. I'm talking about Canelo Alvarez and Terrence Crawford. We'll start with Canelo. There are some talks. There are some rumors that talks with BJ Saunders and Calum Smith could be back in play. That would happen in November. Canelo has to fight this year. We have to see Canelo. The zone desperately needs it. The less we heard of that, uh, they were going through their problems of financial they say it has nothing to do with COVID, but that's hard to uh, think otherwise. They're trying to cut uh, Canelo's purse in half, that record purse, maybe down to $17 million. They've already turned down the Yildirim fight at 168 so maybe now they're looking at B.J. Saunders. Maybe now they're looking at Calum Smith. Canelo desperately needs to get back into the ring. He needs to get into the ring for his own, and he needs to get into the ring for the better of boxing. We need to put our best foot forward here uh, moving on. That goes over to Terrence Crawford. 
He is now in negotiations with Kell Brook, according to sources. Not exactly a name you wanted to hear as a fight fan. Kell Brook hasn't really been in tough in a few years. He's kind of shopworn. Uh, I totally expect Crawford uh, to win that fight handily. I don't understand why Crawford couldn't get in there with a better name. What happened to him moving up to 154 uh, to fight Castano? That would have been why couldn't he find a, a, a PBC welterweight? You know, Jamal James could take that fight. Sean Porter just got got off of a sparring match. He could potentially fight Terrence Crawford. We're going to see Terrence Crawford in there. Uh, we're going to be back next week. We'll probably be in studio next week. No more outdoor boxing live. No more outside boxing live. We'll be back in there. But I'll tell you what, looks pretty nice out here. Eddie Hearn, if you're listening, if you're watching, I got fights out here in the backyard we can put on. We'll see you next week.